We are in a series called New Beginnings, and basically what we've been talking about is the fact that anytime you go into a new beginning, a change, a chapter, or whatever, it's an opportunity to meet God in a new way. And so even these changes that, that happen to you, maybe it's not even a change you wanted to bring about. Maybe it's a change that happened to you. I, when I was 11 years old, uh, my dad worked on Wall Street. We belonged to a country club, and I went to an all-white elementary school. Okay, that was my world. That's what I knew. Well, he lost everything, and we moved to California, and I was the minority at my school. And uh, that was a change that I didn't want. Now, I look back, and I'm so happy that that had happened, because I think my life experience is better now, having uh, living in poverty rather than wealth. Um, but uh, uh, that change happened to me. And so some of you are going through changes right now that are happening to you. Some of them, it's happening to your health, and there's nothing that you can do about it. It's just ha happening. Um, there are changes that you've made that may be negative that you've done to yourself. Seasons of your life where you weren't making the wisest choices. What I want to talk about this morning is what do you do when you want to change? What do you do when there's something in your life that you know uh, could be better, could be different? And, and how, how do we go about changing? I, uh, for now, 10 months, um, you can't tell, but for 10 months, I've probably been the most consistent to the gym that I've ever been in my life, right? I've always kind of a, been, uh, belonged to a gym, but I was like everybody else. I would go, uh, January uh, would be really good month um, because that was when my New Year's resolution would go. And then February, I, not so much. And by March, I was just <clears throat> eating cupcakes. And so, uh, but, but this, these 10 months, I've been, I've been consistent. What, how, how did the change happen? Because here's the thing about this gym I go to. It, it, it's horrible. <laughs> I, I, did a whole, I did a whole series called Sweat Equity just a couple series back, and it was called Why I Wish the Church Were More Like My Gym. And so I've told, talked about my gym before, but I used to go to a gym like Choose Fitness or 24-Hour Fitness, and when you go to one of those gyms, you get to make all the decisions. You can decide when you want to go. As a matter of fact, 24-Hour Fitness is open, guess how long? 24 hours. You can go whenever you want. You can, you can wake up in 3 o'clock in the morning and go, man, I need to get my swole on. I'm going to run to the gym at 3, 3 o'clock in the morning. Not my gym. Mm -mm. You can't go at 3 o'clock in the morning. If you want to go work out at lunchtime, sorry, they're not open then. They're open for a couple classes in the morning and some classes in the afternoon, and that's it. It's really inconvenient. Why would I... Why would I be consistent to something that inconvenient? At my other gym, I could go and I could do any of the weights I wanted and any of the machines I wanted. So if I wanted to go use the curling-like machine, the curl or whatever, I'd wait for the person who has to get all five sets in while they're sitting there and they never get up, uh, or they enter a conversation. If that's you, shame. <laughs> shame. Get up off the machine. People are waiting to use it. So I would go, and I could do that, I'd, and, and I, I could go whenever I wanted and do whatever I want. Not at, not at my gym. At my gym, if I went over and grabbed some weights, and, 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 and they, that's not what we were doing that day, uh, I'd get in trouble. 
I'd say, I could go in and say, you know what, I think I'm going to do curls. And the, and the trainer will say, no, we're doing legs today. I go, well, no, we just did legs too. We're doing legs today. Okay, all right, we're doing legs. I have to sign up before I go. So if there's an 8 o'clock class, I have to sign up for the 8 o'clock class. And if I'm late, I have to do burpees. <laughs> for those of you who don't know what a burpee is, imagine you're at the bank. Okay. Jeez, are you serious? Golly. No. There we go. Jeez. Hey, 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 hey. I got a sermon to preach. Good gracious. What's wrong with you people? I was going to say, if you don't know what a burpee is, <laughs> I have a flow to this, okay? So come on. Imagine being at the bank and gunmen walk in and say, everybody down. And then they say, just kidding. You've just done a burpee. That's what it is. Okay. <clears throat> I was really happy with that joke, so I wanted to tell it. <laughs> I didn't realize it'd be actually doing a burpee. Gosh. So anywho, so this gym, oh, and this gym is way more expensive than my last gym. So it's more expensive, it's more inconvenient, and it's way harder to work out. What, what, what kind of advertisement is that? Like imagine if I told you I, I have my car, yeah, I, I spend too much for it, it's really hard to drive, and it's, it's impossible to get into, right? You'd be like, wow, no, I love it, oh, it's great. Right? But I've been, I've been consistently going. Why? Well, I'm going to tell you why. Two verses from now. Okay? Because I think this verse that we're going to look at, um, and kind of just that example of the gym, can apply to all of us in all sorts of areas of our life. But where Jesus is most concerned, and where the author is most concerned, is our souls. So it's great that I've been consistently going to the gym. Fantastic. Uh, it, it, it's great if you change your diet. It's great if you get all your stuff done, your New Year's resolution, you start sa- saving more and all this. But, but what God is really concerned with is the state of your soul. Where are you? Where's the state of your soul? And so um, what we're going to be looking at is uh, a section of Scripture. It's very famous. If you've been a Christian for a long time, you will know this section of Scripture. You've probably heard me preach on it before. Uh, you've probably heard it. You might even have it written up on your wall, uh, part of it, uh, at home. Uh, it's in Romans. And basically, Romans, uh, we talk about the Bible being books of the Bible. Uh, in fact, most of the New Testament aren't books at all. They're letters that the Apostle Paul wrote to certain churches. So he'd write one to the church in Thessalonica. He wrote one to a church in Philippi. It was basically a thank you letter for them uh, supporting his ministry. He wrote one to the church in Ephesus. He he wrote two, uh, probably three, but we only have two, uh, uh, really harsh letters to the church in Corinth. If you'd like a spanking, just get up and start reading Corinthians. It's uh, it's great. And so so uh, and he he wrote some to some pastors. He wrote two letters to Timothy. This is a letter that he wrote to the church in Rome. 
And he wrote basically to Gentiles, which we don't really use that terminology anymore, but uh, those were non-Jews. Paul's um, ministry was to Gentiles. So he's writing to this church in Rome. And, he, and he's, we get to chapter 12, and he's summing some things up for them. And here's what he says. I can't believe you guys made me do a burpee. God, that's going to bother me all sermon now. If this isn't a good sermon, it's because I'm tired. <clears throat> Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. Now, here, here's, here's what's framing this out, okay? Paul wants us to view what he's about to say next through the lens of God's grace and his mercy. Now, oftentimes, if we think of God's grace and mercy, we think of it in terms of letting us off the hook, okay? Like, I'm glad God is gracious so that when I sin, I can ask for forgiveness and everything will be okay. Some of you are here today because of last night. Okay, I understand that, all right? So you're coming like, I got to get my life right, all right? Okay, whatever. That's, that's fine. I'm not going to judge you. But that's what happens. We think of God's mercy. And so we, sometimes people get a little nervous when they read the Bible about too much grace and mercy because then it's like, well, you can't just go sin and ask for forgiveness and sin and ask for forgiveness. Watch what Paul does. He says, with the lens of God's mercy, I want you to see what comes next. So it's almost like you have a certain perspective, a certain outlook on life. In view of that, through that lens, what do you think he's going to say? Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Look at your, look at your hands, right? Like, let's just take a look at them. This is what Paul's talking about. Your actual physical body. Paul is saying this, in view of God's mercy, in view of God's grace, go for it. Go for it. Go all the way to where you're offering your body every day as a living sacrifice. God, what would you like me to do with my body today? There's a, uh, in baseball, uh, there's a thing called analytics. Um, and so uh, for um, I don't know if you're a baseball fan. I'm a huge football fan. Um, but there's this thing called a analytics. And if you saw the movie Moneyball, that's what it was about. And so what, what started to change, and now they're starting to use analytics in all sorts of different sports, is they take these statistics and they crunch them. And then they make decisions based on that. So if, if, if you're facing a certain batter, your coach or manager will tell you statistically what's the best pitch to throw, judge, judging on these analytics. If, if you're throwing a certain pitch, the defense will shift because statistically and analytics will say that person typically hits the ball into this area, and it's just it's changing baseball. One of the things that's changed is the number of strikeouts and home runs because statistically, it was shown that it's not bad to strike out. That, that it, it, it works better for you to try to hit a home run and strike out than to do what they used to do before, was place the ball, put the ball in the field of play. And so now home runs have gone up and strikeouts have gone up. This is exactly what this verse is about. In view of God's mercy, in view of if you mess up, it's okay, 
Try to hit the ball out of the park every time in your holiness. Go for it. In, in view of the fact that if you mess up, that you, if you strike out, that it's not a failure, that God says, it's okay, it's okay, we're going to work on that, then, then, then take your holiness, your, your, your soul care, all the way to making your, your, absolute, your actual physical body a living sacrifice. Listen to what it says here. To offer your body as a living sacrifice, just go for it. Go for it. In view of God's mercy, okay, you tried and you failed, but try. You, 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 you're saying, you know what? I, I'm stuck in my spirituality here. I want to take it to the next level. It says, in view of God's mercy, the fact that you can't strike out, that that's not bad, go for it. Here's what he says. Holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. Now, this is, when I talk to Christians, and I, this is a fun family. I love our church family, um, except when they make me do exercises. Um, but I'll, I'll, you know, we'll get these connection cards. And, and I, love, I love connection cards because uh, we, we love getting them. And sometimes there'll be like little suggestions on them. And, and that's fine. I love your suggestions. I'm not being sarcastic. Uh, but one will say, um, I, didn't, I, I really liked the worship today. I really like the worship. That doesn't mean anything. <laughs> like what this is saying is your true and proper worship started when your alarm clock went off this morning. When your alarm clock went off and you decided to get your body <laughs> out of bed, that was an act of worship. That was true and proper worship. You guys are glad you're here right now, aren't you? You people on Facebook, you're in trouble, right? <laughs> That's, it, you, that was an act of worship. When you got in the shower and you brushed your teeth, when you got up and you got ready, you, when you got ready, you were worshiping God with your body. When you got here and you dr went through the traffic and the person cut you off and you didn't gesture, okay, <laughs> that, was an, that was an act of worship. Now, maybe yelling at the kids to tell them to go faster wasn't an act of worship, but you know how it goes when you're trying to get ready for church. That's, that's when your family dynamic is at its worst, <laughs> right before church, and then you get on the campus, and you're like, praise the Lord. <laughs> praise the Lord for children. I love them. Where's children's ministry? Go, kids. Get out of here, right? That was an act of worship, when you sat down in your seat where you are right now, that was an act of worship. And when you stood up and you sat down and you stood up and you sat down, you know, like a typical church service, those are all acts of worship. That is your true and proper worship. When you have a worship set and you love every single song and it sounds just like the radio and you're raising your hands and your heart is about ready to burst, that is an act of worship. When you don't like the music, which I don't know how that could be possible, Ajua, but when you don't like the music, or it's flat, or you didn't like this song, or it was in a, in a thing that's too high or too low or whatever, but you decided, you know what, I'm going to sing anyway. That's an act of worship, using your body. This is why I say constantly, it is better when you're here. Now, sometimes I wish I wasn't a pastor, because when a pastor says you need to come to church, it's kind of like I get paid to do that, right? Like, for some reason, when I became a pastor, I became a professional shamer. Like, like I was on a flight coming back from Arizona, and the person asked, what do you do? And I'm like, here we, here we go. 
I'm like, I'm a pastor. And literally, right when I get done, I, I have to go back to church. I, I have to go back to church. I'm like, I didn't even try. And I shamed them. <laughs> like, just by saying I'm a pastor, they're like, ah, oh, I, I feel terrible. Yeah, I got to get my life turned around. I'm like, no, you don't. I don't care. I just want to finish my soda. Like, what do you do, go do for a living? You know, it's like, yeah, I'm a dentist. I need to brush my teeth. I got, oh man, I got, I got, like, like, you know, come on. So, so, so that's it. But, but here's the thing. There is something about carving out time in your week for the gathering. Church, the word church, it's, is a Greek word, ekklesia. It just means gathering. You can't have church without a gathering. That's what church means, okay? And so, uh, and so this is why I say when you guys make this commitment every week to carve out time, you are worshiping God even before you get to church. It's better when you're here. It's better for you, and it's better for us. And so he says, uh, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Not the music, not listening to the sermon, not any of that. It's what you do with your bodies, your physical bodies. When you choose not to overreact with somebody, you, your, your emotions, you get uh, adrenaline fires off and you have all these different chemicals that rise up in your body and you choose not to react in an inflammatory way, you have just worshipped God true and proper worship. When you, when all your chemicals in your brain fire and you want to say something because you've been disrespected and you have a zinger and it's in there and it's good and you've actually been storing it up for a while because you knew this day was going to come and you're ready like, oh man, this is it. And all of a sudden you remember in one little part of your brain, oh Lord, set a guard over my mouth. Keep watch over the doors of my lips and you go, you just worshiped with your body. True and proper worship. When you are tempted in a certain area of your life, and you know God says no, but you say, wow, you know, I mean, it was no back then, but that was 2,000 years ago, and we've kind of come a little, we've come farther now, and I think we're, I think, I think he'd be, and in view of his grace and mercy, I mean, you know, and you go, ah, no, I'm not. You've just worshiped, true and proper worship. So, he continues on with this warning of, of what's, how difficult it is to worship God, to make our bodies a living sacrifice. And he gives this warning, and he says this, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Did you know that you live in a culture that has a pattern? And the, it, the pattern changes a little bit here and there and whatever, but right now, and we'll just pick on the United States because that's where we live, there's a culture that has a pattern in it. And if you just sit back in the current of that culture, you are going to end up in places you don't want to be. One of the patterns of our culture is a culture of fear. We are, uh, especially in America, we thrive on fear. As a matter of fact, most of the articles, if you open up a newspaper, most of those articles are based in fear. Uh, the reason you know about North Korea firing missiles is not because that's incredibly 
uh, interesting, or it might be for you if you're into missiles, uh, but uh, is that, that that fear that that incites keeps you glued, keeps your eyeballs, and they count eyeballs, and the more eyeballs there are, the more they can sell advertisements. It's just, it's a simple formula. What can you do about North Korea? Let's start with eh, nothing. You can't do anything, okay? Sorry. You, you can read a bunch more articles. You can pray. That'd be a good start, right? But, but yeah, fear, that's one of our things. So another part of our culture, if you just sit back in the current of culture and let it take you down, is consumerism. We've taught ourselves that to owe is better than to want. To want is the worst thing you could ever have. That, that's an itch that needs to be scratched. That's an appetite that needs to be fulfilled. It's bad to want things. It's better to get them and then owe later. Right? That's the culture. It's, it's opposite of the truth. It's okay to want things. Okay? It's okay not to get what you want. I hate to break the news to you. But that, that's just a part of our culture. Another part of our culture is sexuality. We just, we can't, I mean, we just, we're just addicted to sexuality uh, in America. Um, as a matter of fact, I find it so fascinating. You'll read this article about these men in positions of power abusing and taking advantage of these women and using their power, right? And in the article is an ad making an object out of a woman. <laughs> like, like on the same thing. It's like, gee, I wonder where that came from, right? It's right there. It's our culture. And so I'm glad people are getting caught finally. I, I hope it changes. I hope, uh, I hope we don't look at each other at all like objects, but this is just part of our culture. What Paul's saying is, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. These are the things that you're going to be struggling with. Fear, consumerism, sexuality, all these things. If you just, relax, if you just say, oh, well, I'll, I'll just go where the culture takes me, you're going to end up where you don't want to be. He says, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. Now remember where this all started. It all started with making our bodies a living sacrifice. This means that the decisions we make with our bodies, and that includes our minds and all these different things, the decisions we make uh, actually have an impact on our souls, on our connection with God. He says, be transformed, be different. Oftentimes when you don't conform to the culture, you look different than the culture. And that comes at a cost. Because people will say, well, how come you're not doing this? Or how come you're doing this? Or what? You, don't, you don't act the same. And sometimes that doesn't fit into the culture. Sometimes you can be kind of weird as a Christian. You can be kind of weird as you go, you know what? I'm not going to be into all this other stuff. I, I'm going to make my life, my body, a living sacrifice. He says, do not but be transformed. And watch what he says. How do you transform yourself? By the renewing of your mind. I told you we were going to get to verse 2 and I was going to tell you why uh, I'm consistent at the gym. I don't think of it like the gym anymore. Like my mind has been restored. I see it differently. I see it as, oh, I got to make an appointment that I go with my wife and once I make the appointment, it's kind of like, well, I made an appointment. <laughs> I might as well make it, you know? Like, that's the thing. Like, my mind has shifted. You've probably had this happen if you've ever been on a diet that's worked. 
Um, so, so you, 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 you know, you, uh, there's so many diets. There's the juice diet and the fiber diet and the protein diet. And let me just get, let you in on a little secret. They all work if you just do them, okay? So, but what, what you'd normally talk to somebody who's lost weight and has kept it off, this is what they say. I see food differently. I look at food differently. What just happened to them? They renewed their mind. This, this, this word of renewal, it means restoration. It means getting it back to the way it was supposed to be. We were supposed to be self-controlled. We were supposed to be calm. We were supposed to be joyful. We were created to experience life without excess. We were created to experience life without needing to medicate our cares away. That's being restored. If any of you have ever worked on a car or if you've ever worked on a, a chair or something like that, there's this part of the restoration process, the renewal process. And that's removing the old and sometimes that takes a long time because in our minds, we've been told things that we, it's hard for us to get rid of. So some of you right now in this room think that your value depends on how much money you make, on what your position is in the company. That's a lie that needs to be removed. And you need to be renewed in your mind to go, my value comes because I am inherently created in the image of God. My val I am valuable because I am highly, highly valued by my Heavenly Father. My identity is not manager. My identity is not employee. My identity is not rich, poor, male, female, Greek, whatever. My it's, that's not my identity. My identity is found in Christ. I am a child of God. That's your value. But if you're going to work and you're thinking, I got to move up so that I'm more valuable, God would say, you need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Sometimes, especially for men, I don't, I'm sure with women too, but I can only speak on the male side, uh, someone will lose their job and they'll begin to get into this cycle of depression because their value working is part of their value it's not what makes you valuable i mean work <laughs> it's that you're made in the image of god and so this is very very important about renewing our mind seeing things differently than the way we should and so so and and, and you can imagine all the places in your life where this would show up you know the way you spend your money if you say, you know, maybe, maybe you spend too much, okay? And you spend too much and you, you get online and you see those shoes are gorgeous. And they are. Trust me, I love them. But, or whatever it is, a thing, a technology, I'll pick, I'll pick on myself. I'm, I'm, I like gadgets. Um, like, like all gadgets. Like even, even USB cords. I don't know what it is, but I just love them. Uh, and so I'll get online and I'll be like, yeah, you know what? You can never have too many USB cords, you know, and I'll be a, like a click away. Well, well what, what, what's happening in my mind? I got to answer the question. Is that what you're supposed to buy right now? Do you need that right now? Lord, 
My body is a living sacrifice today. Do you want me to buy a, no, you don't. Okay, all right, well, here's the thing, right? And then following through with that. So it might be how you spend your money. It might be how you react or overreact. Now you just say, okay, God, I don't need to defend myself. That is a lie. I don't need to defend myself. That, that I'm going to take that belief and I'm going I'm to sand it away. You are my defender. You've got me. I don't need to worry about anybody else. The renewing of our minds. Now watch what you get out of this. It's just, okay. I need to do a burpee. Uh, the renewing of our mind. Watch what happens if you're able to pull this off. Now remember what I said in the beginning. You say, John, man, that just sounds hard. In light of God's mercy, in view of God's mercy, go for it. Grab some part of your life and just go after it. If you have a problem in a certain area, go farther than that. Like you say, uh, I don't know, I, I, I didn't come up with an example, but I'll just, I'll think of one off the top of my head. Let's say you, let's say you struggle with pornography, okay? And so that's, that's, that's your thing. Now, typically what happens in a Christian's life, if they're struggling in that, they say, ah, oh, man, I just shouldn't do that, shouldn't do that, shouldn't do that, shouldn't do that, shouldn't do that. Oh, Lord, I promise. I won't ever look at it again. I promise, I promise, I promise. What this verse is saying, forget that part. That's, yeah, don't do that. But go farther. Jesus t- said it this way. Uh, you've heard it said that you, if you commit adultery, uh, uh, you know, do, do not commit adultery. I, here's what I'm telling you. I'm saying go even farther. Don't even objectify a woman at all, no matter what she's wearing. How about that? He said, hey, 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 the murder thing and the Ten Commandments, super important, okay? And I just want you to know it, it still is. Do not murder, right? So Jesus says, you know what, that, that's, re- that's re- really important. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to swing for the fences in your holiness. And I don't even want you to get angry or say an angry word towards someone. You see, see how he did that? Now watch what happens if you're able to pull this off. This is an incredible promise. I didn't make this up. It's in the Bible. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. What? If I, made a, if I said a question right now, if I said, hey, who wants to know what God's will is for their life? Uh, I mean, maybe some of you wouldn't raise your hand just because you're like, I'm not raising my hand for anything. Okay, fine. Uh, but like, like, like I could tell you, like, look, do you want to know what God's will is for your life? Yes, I do. You can do it. You, you can learn it. By offering your body as a living sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. This is it. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what the will of God is, his good and perfect will. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. And what begins to happen is as you begin to get into the exercise of making your body a living sacrifice, and it can be just as easy, it can be just as easy as setting your alarm and before you get up in the morning, you just say, Lord, I'm yours all day till I hit, my head hits the pillow again tonight. I am yours. What would you have for me to do? 
And what begins to happen as you begin to put that into practice is you begin to understand what God wants from you. You begin to hear his voice. You begin to walk through your day going, should I do that? No, I don't, I don't think I should. Or should I do that? Yeah, I think the Lord would be fine with me doing that or whatever. As you begin to just make your life a living sacrifice, acceptable to God, pleasing to him, you'll begin to hear his voice more and more. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. As Hajua comes back up, What we typically do at this time is uh, Ajua will read a poem that she's been writing while I've been talking and um, she ends with a song, a, a final song. And, uh, and during this time, we, we normally fill out our connection cards. So again, we want one of those from every family every week and I promise I'll get my note cards out this week. <laughs> I was a bad boy. Uh, but we fill those things out and if you, if you give, if you n- normally give on a Sunday morning, you'd prepare that offering. But I wanna ask you to do one more thing. I want you to review your life a little bit. Begin to think, if I had to swing for the fences in my holiness, if I had to take a shot to just like handle something, what would it be? If, if you could dream about, man, I, I just, I've been angry my whole life. I, I, I'm, I've been angry my whole life. I, I lash out in anger. Things get me angry, all this. What what would it look like to have that handled? And what would it take to just go for that? What would it be? I can't tell you. You have to listen to your Heavenly Father to both give you what it should be and how to handle it. What if, what if you had self-control in an area that you have never had self-control in? What would that look like? Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, as we enter this time of... Uh, this reflection, reflecting on your word. Lord, we're thankful that there is a way to know your will. There is a way to move forward in our relationship with you. There's a way to not be conformed to the pattern of this world. There's a way to rise above it. There's a way to, um, to be restored in our minds. So Lord, during this time, I just pray that you would begin to sand away the lies that we've been telling ourselves or that we've been told. You begin to brush that away and sand away more and sand away more that we could be restored and renewed to the way you created us to be. And that's in right relationship with you. So we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.